They say when it comes to relationships that opposites attract. And this particular week of every year proves that point so well when it comes to me and Eric. Because Labor Day week, there is one of us who is in mourning because summer is over and their tan is gonna start fading and they have to put more layers of clothes on. And then there is the other of us who is happy to watch that thermostat, just temperatures just plummet every day and is thrilled by the fact that pumpkin has now taken over the whole world, it seems like, for the next, and this is the best time of the year. And the chances are, when it comes to the people in this room this morning, there's probably a pretty even split there. There are those of you who are really are sad to see that summer is over. You're gonna miss those beach days. You're gonna miss hanging out by the pool, the barbecues, the, all the things that you can do. And then there are the rest of you who are just dead wrong, okay? <laughs> How much pumpkin can you people consume? Come on. But here's one thing that I think we can all agree on. Labor Day comes and schedules change. Kids go back to school. Invitations to a gazillion events start to slow down. Aren't as many of those. And things kind of go back to normal. And what I want to do this Sunday morning is this. I want to challenge you that as life starts to kind of go back to normal at this time of the year, as things kind of start to change, as we start to get into new routines, I want to challenge you with the fact that church needs to be at the top of your priority list. I want to challenge you as to why church should be the first thing you put in your calendar, not the last. I want to challenge you with why church should be the place you run to when life is not going well, as opposed to the place that you've pulled back from because you just can't face going there. I want to remind you why church is a place that no matter how the week has gone, no matter how busy things have been, no matter what else is going on in life, no matter how tired I am on Saturday nights, this needs to be a priority and this needs to be where I'm at on a Sunday morning. And right now, some of you are sitting there and you're already starting to feel guilty and you're going, man, she's going to be tough today. I am. And I'm going to be tough because here's the thing. I realize I am a PK, a pastor's kid. I realize that I have probably been going to church uh, since I was days old and before I was even born. But here's what I have learned in my certain number of years of life. <laughs> Man, I almost let it slip. Right? Here's what I have learned. There is a reason that God created church. There is a reason that God put us in community. And one of the biggest reasons that I want to look at this morning is found in Romans 12, 4 to 5. It says this, just as there are many parts to our bodies, so it is with Christ's body. We are all parts of it, and it takes every one of us to make it complete. 
For we each have different work to do. So we belong to each other and each, what's that next word? Needs all the others. Turn to the person on your left, say, I need you. Now turn to the person on your right and say, you need me. Here's the thing. That just scared the bejeebies out of all of you because now you realize those people you sit by, you do, you need them. And for a lot of us, that is a scary prospect because for a lot of us, either we are taught independence from a very small age, you can do this, you got this, you, can, you, don't, need, you don't need me, you've got this, or for some of us, we are genetically predisposed to, we are independent people. There is a story I have been told many, many times since I was little, and apparently when I was about three, my parents took me to the beach one day, and they watched not far away from me as I walked towards the sea. And as I started walking towards the sea, one of them said to me, uh, Charlotte, and I turned to them and said, it's okay, I can swim. Now, if this was a movie, right about now, there would be a narrator, probably in an English accent, who would say, she had no idea how to swim, <laughs> right? And apparently, I kept walking into the sea. And I got up to my knees, and they said, uh, Charlotte, and I turned and say, said, it's okay, I got this, and kept walking. Story goes, they weren't far away from me, just in case somebody wanted to report them to CPS. But the story goes, I got about neck high when they decided they would not test the premise of how far I would go, and they probably should rescue me. We learn to be independent. I don't need anybody else, but that's not the case. Why do we need each other? Why do we need church? Why do we need this family? Why do we need to go deeper in our relationships with each other? Why even within this family is it important for me to find a core group of people that I can go into deeper relationship with? And today I want to give you and uh, suggest to you four reasons as to why we need each other. Number one is this, I need others to walk with me. Colossians 2.6 says this, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. This life is not a sit-down thing. We're on a journey. It's not static. We are always moving. We have a destination to get to. We have somewhere that we need to be. We are working towards somewhere. In the New Testament, it actually talks a lot about walking. It talks about walking in the light. It talks about walking in obedience. It talks about walking as Jesus walked. It talks about walking in wisdom. And here's the thing when it comes to walking. God never intended us to do this journey in life alone. Now, let me just put a disclaimer before I go further. I am not talking here, sorry to all you single folks, about we are guaranteed that we were our marital status, okay? I'm not talking about your life partner, who you're married to, whatever. I'm talking about the fact that we need others to walk alongside and to go with us. But talking of marital partners, July 2nd, 2010, I think that's our 
I think, the day Eric and I got married. And on that day, there were two words that ent entered the Blackmore lexicon that had never been there before. Actually, scratch that, three words. Phys ed teacher. We're not an active bunch, the Blackmores. Now, there are a couple of outliers. I mentioned my parents were down in Colorado because my nephew plays college football. I keep telling him I'm going to get a genetic test done on him because I don't know. Blackmores, we are not active people, okay? Don't be fooled by this activity tracker. I wear this when I preach because I walk so much. I'm done for the day with my steps by the time I get off this stage, okay? But that, we're not. So when I married Eric, life became a little more active. Now, that was good because after I married Eric, I was able to lose a lot of weight and I was a big part of it, but life became more active. So I've learned some things about walking, hiking. Never ever ask Eric, isn't the first one, but it doesn't pertain to this, I'm just giving you information. Never ask Eric what he would like to do on a day off, okay? Because you will find yourself in the middle of the woods somewhere with no idea where you are or how long it's gonna take, okay? But here's what I've learned about walking. Number one is this, when you walk with other people, it's safer. There are a lot of times I'll be walking with Eric and I'll say, man, I'm glad you're here. I would not want to be here by myself in the middle of the woods where you have no idea where you are, right? But it's true when it comes to our life in general. It is safer for us to walk with other people, to have somebody alongside of us. Life is not a bed of roses. I just told you something you didn't know, right? No. Tough times are gonna happen. Rough times are gonna happen. And if I'm walking with somebody else, it's gonna be safer for me. There's also the fact that sometimes if you're walking with somebody, they will steer you away from areas that maybe you would be prone to go towards, and they say, you know what, I don't think that's a good idea for you. I don't think you should be doing that. I don't think you should be going there. So walking with others is safer. Walking with others is supportive. I gotta be honest, there are times when I go, that's it, I'm not walking another step, I'm done with this. And I get talked out of it. Right? But it's like that with life. Again, life can be tough. Life can be hard. There can be times when we are exhausted with life. There can be times when we say, I just can't do this anymore. I can't go another step. I can't do it. And if I'm walking alone, I'm just listening to my own voice. But if I'm walking with other people, they come alongside me and they say, you know what, you got this. We can do this. Here, let me give you an arm for a little while. Let me help you for a bit. Lean on me. We can make this. We can get through this. That's why it's so important to walk with others. Walking with others also cures loneliness. Genesis, in the beginning of Genesis, we find that God creates the heavens, the earth, the animals, everything like that, and then he creates Adam. And actually, the first thing that he says after he created Adam is found in Genesis 2.18, and it says, the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. First thing that God says after he created Adam, he knew right away, we're not meant to be by ourselves. God hates loneliness. And we live in a world where right now is partially crippled by a pandemic, coronavirus. 
But actually, we live in a world where there is an epidemic of loneliness. There was a study done six months ago, and this study asked people how often they felt lonely. 36% of those who answered said in the past four weeks they either felt lonely all the time or most of the time. It's heartbreaking. We live in a world where we feel like we're all so connected because we have these things that are joined to our hands. But there are more lonely people around. And that's why God has called us to walk with each other. In case you wondered, the same study was done just before the pandemic. And even back then, 25% of people said they were lonely all the time or they were lonely most of the time. God hates loneliness. Walking by yourself becomes a lonely thing. So he puts us in families. And God was so convinced that we needed to be with people, he put you in two families. He put you in your physical family, your biological family, the one that you were born into. But then for those of us who follow Christ and love Christ and have found a church home, he also puts us into a spiritual family, a family of people who are walking the same path as us, a family of people whose destination is the same destination as the one that we have. And here's a scary thought for you. That family lasts forever. So you know that person who's laughed two rows behind you really bugs you? Think how it's gonna be in a gazillion years because you're still gonna be hearing it. We are all part of a spiritual family. So why do we need church? Why do we need each other? Number one is this. I need others who are going to walk with me. We also need others to work with us. Ephesians 2.10 says this, God made us to do good works, which God planned in advance to live our lives doing. Now, when it says God planned in advance, here is the thing. Before you were conceived, God already had a plan and a purpose for your life. Every single person sitting in here, never think, I don't count. I can just hide in the background, nobody will ever know. God doesn't even know I exist. Not only does he know you exist, he had a plan and a purpose worked out for you before you were even thought of. And in order to fulfill that plan and purpose, here's what he did. He gave you the talents that you need for it. He gave you the gifts that you need for it. He knew what country you needed to be born into. He knew what family you needed to be born into. He knew exactly who you needed to be in order to fulfill his plans and his purpose for you. So never question, at what point does life begin? There's your answer. Even before conception, which means life is there at conception. Just giving you a little aside, okay? God knows who you are before you were even born. He knew what you had to do. But here's the thing. Ephesians, uh, sorry, Ecclesiastes says this, 4.9. It says, two people are better than one. When two people work together, they get more work 
done. Pretty easy, pretty simple. Of course, pretty obvious. I don't just need to get work done with one person. If two of us do it together, it is so much better. Next month, we have a team heading um, down to the Dominican Republic uh, for a week. And in that week that the team is down there, uh, they're going to be doing a number of different things. They will be doing um, six, and if, six mobile clinics, which means we go into remote villages and we set up, usually in a church hall there, a mobile clinic. And we see people, and they will line up for hours in the beating sun because they have no other access to medical care that they can afford. And they will come, and they will share with you what it is that is wrong with them, and, and we are going to do six of those. We're also going to be seeing all of the kids in the school in San Marcos that here at Genesis we support. And to be honest, most of the kids who are sponsored are sponsored by people who are part of the Genesis family. So what we do is we take photos of them for um, all the sponsors. We're also going to do a little wellness check on them. And then their favorite part, and this is probably why they hate seeing us coming in the room, is we give them their parasite medicine which is about as disgusting, judging by their faces, as it would appear to sound when you say that. But they need it every six months because they are drinking dirty water. We are also going to be building a new classroom in the school there. The school is growing. They're adding an extra grade to the school, so they need a new classroom built. And we're going to be doing that while we're down there. And then we're also going to be renovating the house of a woman that we've been made aware of, a single mom who lives in absolute squalor. I mean, I saw videos of her house and it was heartbreaking to think that she was raising her children there. So we are going to be renovating um, a portion of her house for her. Now, that's all going to be done in a week. If I was to say to you, if you could just pray, because when I say there's a team going to the Dominican Republic, actually, it's just me. You would think that I had absolutely lost my mind. She's going to do all that by herself. Conversely, if I said to you, you know what, it's okay, because I'm going down there and I'm taking um, eight guys who are really good at construction. They are really good trades guys. They are going to be able to take care of all those projects I just listed. You're also going to think I've lost my mind. Because my friend Steve there is a fantastic plumber. But if I take him to the village of Munoz, and I sit him at a table, and I say, these people are going to come up to you, they're going to give you their symptoms, and you're going to diagnose what's wrong with them, you're all going to say, wait, what? And as talented as Steve is, I'm not sure he wouldn't be able to do it. As talented as Steve is as a plumber, that's not his gift and calling. You see, so the team that we are bringing to the Dominican Republic, in order to be doing all of those projects, needs a plumber. We need a mason. We need nurses. We need a, a, a PA. We need general laborers. We need all of these people to work together so that in six days, we can accomplish that laundry list of things that I said that we need to accomplish. We need others to work with us. In case you are wondering what my skill set is on these trips, I will tell you the name that one of the trips teams gave to me. I am the warden, okay? <laughs> I promise I'm a friendly warden, but they called me the warden by the end of the week, okay? 
hey, somebody's got to make sure everything's uh, where they're supposed to be. But there is no way any of that gets accomplished by one person. Yesterday, we sent a team over to the 180 Center, again, over in New Haven, Connecticut. It's the third team that we have sent over in the past um, few weeks. And the guys there uh, did a bunch of stuff that, I mean, we've framed the place, we've now sheetrocked it, they put up ceilings yesterday. It is truly coming together. But again, it takes a team to do that. We need folks with those gifts, but we also need folks with other gifts. We need folks with the gift in your organization or folks who just say, you know what, I'll do whatever you want of me. But it takes a bunch of us working together. And that is shown over and over and over again in the activities of Genesis Church, okay? We need a band on a Sunday morning, which means we need folks who have the skills and the talents in order to do these roles, to sing, to play instruments. We need folks who will work with our kids, and man, that is a special talent. But right now in the room next door to us, there is a room full of kids who are learning about Jesus and finding out about Jesus. And guess what? We need folks who have the talent to say and the gifting of working with kids. And it goes on and on. Our pantry, we need people who deliver, people who stack, people who fill bags. All of these things, none of this would be accomplished if this was a church of one person. And we are not a mega church by any stretch of the imagination, but here's the thing, we get a lot done in this church because we have so many of you who say, count me in, put me in, I'll work. And that's why we need to be here in church because we're able to say, what can I do? How can I use those talents? Those things that God has given me to do, what can I do with them? How can I get the work done? And let me encourage you with this. When we say we need each other, when we say we need to get into a deeper relationship with each other, it can be hard to do it sitting, staring at the back of somebody's head every Sunday morning. The best way to go into deeper relationship with people, the best way to get to know people in a deeper level is honestly serving with them. Signing up for a team somewhere, Signing up and saying, you know what, put me in here, I can do this. And as you are working alongside each other, you get to know each other. You become friends with each other. That's where the catalyst is to start where you, you know what, I start working with them, I start supporting with them, I start getting to know, know these people. Why do we need church? Why church? Because you know what, I need other people to work with me. I can't make a huge difference on my own. And actually, sorry to say this, you can't either. But here's the thing, together, we can accomplish a whole lot of stuff. Working together, teamwork together, saying I'll do this, I'll do that, using the gifts and the talents that God has given us, we can get stuff done. And if you ever wanna join a team at Genesis, you know what, email us in the office and say, you know what, I'd love to join a team, this is what I can do, and we'll get you plugged in somewhere. But you know what, we use our skills to work together. I need others who are going to work with me. Thirdly, I need others to watch out for me. It's a bit of a countercultural statement in 2021 America. 
Because we tend to, to say, or a lot of folks tend to say, you know what, it's all about me. It's about my needs, it's about my interest, about my hurts. You're pretty much on your own. It's me, 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 me. And the problem is that it is truly true that no man is an island. Because here's the thing, if I am completely isolated, if I am completely alone, who's watching out for me? Who's watching out for me to make sure that I'm still growing? Who is there if I'm discouraged? Who is there if I am depressed? See, if you're ever driving your car, you are never gonna know, unless you have a fancy car with warning lights, that you have a tail light that's out, right? You need somebody else to tell you that. Or have you ever finished lunch and you've been talking to somebody and they're going, you don't know you have spinach in your teeth, but they can tell you about it. We need to have each other. We need each other to watch out for us. Hebrews 13 says this, keep being concerned about each other as the Lord's followers should. Christians should take care of Christians. Those in a family should be taking care of those in a family. If I asked you where you were a month ago today, most of you would have a hard time probably trying to remember. You'd be racking your brains or you'd be checking your calendars. Yesterday morning, most of us knew exactly where we were and what we were doing 20 years ago. We could remember what we saw. We could remember where we were. We could remember the heartbreaking images that were on our TV, because yesterday was, of course, the anniversary of September 11th and the horrific things that happened on that day in New York, in Washington, and in Pennsylvania. And because of our proximity, of course, to New York, the chances are that you knew of somebody or you knew somebody who lost someone that day or who was lost that day. 20 years on, there is still pain and there's still heartbreak from that day. Amazing to think that we've moved on so far from there and yet it is so fresh in so many of our minds. That happened in 2001. A year later in 2002, the 9-11 Commission was established. And the 9-11 Commission was established with the goal of working out exactly what happened that day that led up to those planes going where they went. The 9-11 Commission was established to work out what happened before that day to see what led up to the events. And it was also established to try and ascertain what could we learn from the events of that day. What can we take away from there to try and ensure that something like that never, ever, ever happens again on our shores. And so in 2002, they started the 9-11 Commission. Two years later, they published a 600-page report. And that report actually became a bestseller. Um, it listed a number of those things that I just talked about. But in the introduction, there was this paragraph. And it said this, we learned about an enemy who is sophisticated, patient, disciplined, and lethal. The enemy rallies broad support by political grievances, but its hostility towards us and towards our values is limitless. 
Its purpose is to rid the world of religious pluralism. It makes no distinction between military and civilian targets. Collateral damage is not in its lexicon. They were, of course, talking about Al-Qaeda right here and the things in their mission. But actually, a lot of what is said there could be talking about Satan and his primary purposes. Because here's the thing, he doesn't care who he hurts. Could be you, could be your friends, could be your parents, could be your children, could be the person next to you. In fact, in John 10, Jesus said exactly what Satan's all about. He said this, the, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's all he cares about. That's all he wants to do. So he's gunning for us. And so often it's so easy for us to forget that we are in a war, a spiritual war that is going on. An invisible war to the, for the most part, but we feel the effects of the work of Satan. How does he work in our lives? Habits that we just can't break and are slowly destroying us. Hurts that we can't forgive and we just cannot let go of. And the bitterness is just eating us up alive. Let me just quickly say that last week's um, dad taught on forgiveness and if you didn't hear it, that was a great message and one I would recommend that you listen to over and over. Hang-ups that you can't change. He works through those. And his invisible war, this spiritual war that we are going through, he is slowly eating us away. He's destroying us. We are becoming his collateral damage. And he doesn't care who that is. And here's the thing. How does he defeat us? Usually he defeats us because I say, it's okay, I don't need to tell anybody. I don't need to talk to anybody about this. I got this. I can take care of this. He defeats us because we say, I don't need backup. I don't need help. I can do this alone. And that's not the case. This country has been through a lot of wars over the years. My guess is there's never been one where they've sat down beforehand to plan it out and they've said, it's okay. We just need one soldier. Okay. Even the Avengers have like a whole ton of them, just, just saying, right? I mean, we need each other in order to fight this battle, in order to fight against someone who wants to destroy us, in order to fight against someone who doesn't care whether I live or die, physically and spiritually. We need folks who are going to watch out for us in this battle we are in. Why church? Because of that. An enemy, Ecclesiastes 4.12, an enemy might be able to defeat one person, but two people can stand back to back to defend each other. And three people are even stronger. They are like a rope that has three parts wrapped together. It is very hard to break. One person, I'm kind of out there by myself. One person, I'm all alone, trying to spin in circles to watch from every possible side that the enemy could come from. Two people, we stand back to back. We got each other's backs. We can circle, but guess what? When I get together in family, three people together, we have each other, we take care of each other, we look, at, we look for each other. Why church? Because I need others 
to watch out for me. And finally, let me just say this. We need others to model for me. Some of you are getting excited right now, but this has absolutely nothing to do with Vogue magazine or anything like that, okay? <laughs> See, here's the thing. Again, this is not groundbreaking for any of you. Crises are inevitable in life. There are going to be times when bad things are going to be happening. There are going to be periods in life where I go through some really rough and heartbreaking stuff, and I know some of you may be there right now. One of the most common times for us to stop coming to church, one of the most common times for us to take a step back is when bad things happen. Because we think, you know what? I'm just going to retreat into myself. Nobody's going to understand what I'm going through. Nobody knows what this is about, what is happening to me, so I'm just going to stop going to church. And what I want to remind you about this morning is... You're not alone when it comes to whatever you are dealing with. When things happen in life, when crises happen in life, when the bad stuff happens, that's when you should be running to church, banging on the door, instead of sitting home on your couch, licking your wounds. Heading back to Ecclesiastes, there is a verse there that most of us use in a lot of everyday conversation, but actually it's, it's in the Bible. And it says, there is nothing new under the sun. And for some of us, we think nobody is going to understand what I am going through because I am the only person in the world who has ever gone through this. So who am I going to talk to about it? And what I want to remind you of this morning is this. There is nothing new under the sun, but there is pretty much not much new under the Genesis roof either. Because in this room, we have folks who have lost spouses. In this room, we have folks who have lost children on either side of their due dates. In this room, we have folks who have battled mental health issues. In this room, we have people who have lost jobs, who have lost houses, who have lost hard, big sums of money. In this room, we have people whose spouses cheated on them. In this room, we have folks who were, have been divorced. In this room, we have people who have battled cancer. In this room, we have people who are living with everyday debilitating illnesses. In this room, there are people who count their days of recovery from addiction actually in decades. In this room, we have those who are counting in hours how long they have been clean for. In this room, we have folks who got up this morning four hours before service so that they could watch every favorite TV preacher of theirs. In this room, we have folks who woke up at 9.45 with a banging headache and no idea what happened last night. Never think you are alone. Because in this room, there are story after story after story about how God has worked, about the hope that can be found in Jesus Christ, about how God turned a situation around, how a person went from being at the lowest of lows to seeing God work in miraculous ways. 
And here's the thing, if you are going through the toughest things in life right now, you are not going to find somebody to come alongside you and show you hope and support you and pray for you and say, how can I help you? And say, you know what, I've been through the same thing, what, can I what questions can I answer for you? You are not going to find that on your couch. How do you find that? Church. You come alongside family. And here's the thing when it comes to that. You come alongside somebody. They show you hope. They show you the way. They stretch out a hand for you and say, here, take my hand. I know exactly what you're going through. I'm a few steps ahead of you. So let's do this together. At the beginning, I said, we need each other. You said, I need you. But then you turned to the other person, you said, you need me. And this is where this comes into effect. Because here's the thing, you now are holding the hand of somebody who's a few steps ahead of you in whatever life has thrown their way. But somewhere back there, a few steps behind you, there's a person who needs you to reach out to that first person because they then need you to reach out a hand to them when you're able to in your healing process and say, listen, this is where I'm at, this is what I learned, join us. And together, we show hope. Together, we help others. Together, I take what I thought was going to destroy me and actually I say to the devil, you know what? Not only is it not going to destroy me, I'm gonna use that to strengthen X number of people behind me. The shirt I'm wearing today, um, Lead With Your Scars, is a ministry uh, website that my brother has just started. And if you go to leadwithyourscars.com, on there you will find stories from people who have been through some heartbreaking stuff. And you will read what helped them. And that's what you need to do. As things happen to you, there are folks on there who have lost spouses. There are folks on there who have lost jobs. People are sharing your, their stories, but as they share their stories, guess what? They're giving hope to the folks who are behind them. They're giving hope to others. Why do we need to church? Because I need others to model for me where hope is, what happens, and what is the outcome here. But also, I need to be the person who then reaches out a hand to the person who's a few steps behind me and says, you know what, come join me, come join me. So why do we need church? We need church because guess what? We need others to walk with us. We need others to come alongside us. We need others to be part of our group. We need others to work with us. We have a big writing out there in the cafe, the purpose of this church, our mission statement, and it says to seek and to save. And as a church, if we are gonna accomplish this, no matter it be in Medford, New Haven, Dominican Republic, Guatemala, wherever it is, guess what? We're gonna need to work together to get that accomplished. Why church? I need others to watch out for me. Life is tough. Things are gonna happen. The devil's gunning for each and every one of us, but guess what? I got somebody who's got my back if I'm alongside somebody else. Why church? I need others to model for me. 
I really don't like group texts, I'll be honest, it's one of my pet peeves. Please, I'm sorry if I'm in any of your group texts, I apologize. But group texts, but there is one group text that I am happy to be a part of. And I know every time that it beeps um, who it's from. And I have a group text going with about six ladies here in this congregation. We don't really see each other too much to hang out nowadays. Once in a blue moon, it feels like we don't have really, really long conversations. But here's the thing, we know if anything is going on ever in our lives or in the lives of our families or anything like that, that we can send one text and we're gonna get six ladies praying right at once. And then we support each other. We follow up on those, we see things are going. Now that doesn't happen, things like that, unless I become part of a church family, I become part of a group. And some of those texts, some of our group have been through some horrendous things recently. But we have each other, we are there for each other. And what I wanna remind you and encourage you with this Sunday morning, as fall comes, as season change, as schedules change, why church? Because God made us to be part of a community and we need each other. Let's pray.